Welcome to the LFC Podcast, where our mission is to make, deploy, and multiply mature and equipped Christ followers. Our prayer is that you'll be challenged and inspired to live your life for Jesus Christ by the preaching of the Word. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified every time we release new content. Now, let's get ready to jump into the Word. Over the next two weeks, we're just gonna we're gonna hang out in First Kings chapter eighteen. Um, so go ahead and read it for yourself this week. Study it out for yourself, right? And uh, but today we're, we're we're just gonna jump right in. Is that okay with you? So First Kings chapter eighteen. I just want to summarize just what's happening. Give you a little context before we jump into the main text, if that's cool with you. Basically, Israel. Israel, they were in a drought, okay? There was no water, no rain. Like, it, it, it was dry, it was weary, it was rough, it was rough. So they're in the third year of that drought, the Lord, he shows up and talks to Elijah, the prophet of God, and, he, and, and the Lord says to him, listen, Elijah, you need to go and confront King Ahab and we're about, we're about to make it rain. We're about to make it rain. And meanwhile, while this is happening, King Ahab, he is desperate to find water. Someone say, he's thirsty. He's thirsty, he's thirsty right? He just wants some water in his life for crying out loud, right? So he's going off and, 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 and he gets his guy, his name is Ahab, or excuse me, Obadiah. Someone say Obadiah. King Ahab gets Obadiah, and Obadiah was the governor of his house. And you have to understand that Obadiah, he's one of the good ones, all right? He's one of the good ones, man of God. He actually, he hid 100 prophets of God in a cave when King Ahab's wife, her name is Jezebel, when she was on the hunt for them. She was killing, she was slaughtering them. It was really, really bad. But Obadiah stepped in, and he hid the prophets of God. Someone say, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. So King Ahab, he sends Obadiah to go and look for a place where there might be some living grass, right? When it's not raining, there's not grass, right? But they need to feed their, their horses and their mules. And, and Obadiah is looking and looking and looking. And while he's on the search, Obadiah, he bumps into that prophet of God, Elijah. Someone say Elijah. And Elijah, he says, hey, go to King Ahab and tell him that I am here right now and to come and meet me here. But Obadiah's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, Elijah? If I go and tell him you're here, do you understand he has been looking all over for you? He's not happy with you, Elijah. When you spoke and said that there's going to be a drought in the land of Israel, and now we're in the year three of it, he's angry. He's trying to find you. And I know if I go to him, if I go to the king, he's going to, and, and I bring him back, I know that the spirit of the Lord is just going to take you away. I know that's going to happen. Then he's going to kill me. And Elijah's like, just chill, bro. It's okay. I'm, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to hang out here. So he stays put in Obadiah, he goes to King Ahab, and he comes running. He's ready to, 
meets, confronts the prophet of God, Elijah. And when he comes face to face with Elijah, he says, is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? And you know what Elijah said? He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're the troublemaker. You're the one, when you decided to forsake God's commandments and start worshiping Baal, you're the, you're the troublemaker, you ding-a-ling. That's scripture, look it up. <laughs> so here's what we're gonna do, Elijah said. He said, here's, here's what we're gonna do. Gather all of Israel, someone say all of Israel. Gather all of Israel to Mount Carmel. And make sure that for the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 that eat at Jezebel's table, they come too. So everyone go, goes to the Mount Carmel and they, and they go and, and Elijah is in front of this massive crowd. Imagine that, all of Israel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets the, the, of Ashura. And Elijah is there all alone, him and God, and he says, how much longer will you waver between two opinions? He's speaking this to the people. How much longer, people, are you going to waver between two opinions? Make up your minds. Make up your minds. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, Follow him. And the people say nothing. This is totally epic, right? The people say nothing. And Elijah, he says, look, here's what we're gonna do. There's 450 prophets for Baal, and then there's just little old me for the Lord. Let's have a contest. Let's have a contest. You guys take a bull, and you put it on a pile of wood, and I will do the same. Then we will both pray to our gods and whichever God sends fire down and burns the bull, that's the real deal. That's, that God is the real deal. And the people are like, okay, that sounds good to us, right? So they go ahead, they set to it and it's the, and it's the prophets of Baals, they, they go first, they go first and they're crying out to their God from morning until noon, they're crying out and, and guess what? Nothing happens. Nothing happens. And Elijah's like, he starts to mock them because nothing is happening. He starts mocking them. You might want to yell a little louder, boys. Yell a little louder. He's, you know what, your God, he's probably just sleeping. He's probably just taking his, his little nap there, right? He might be on vacation. I don't know. You know what? He's probably in the potty, right? He's probably going potty right now. You're gonna have to go a little louder, right? And the prophets of Baal, they start going nuts. They're going crazy. They're screaming and shouting and hollering. They're going crazy. They start to cut themselves. And guys, that's, that's normal, by the way. It's normal what they're doing right now. They're cutting themselves and they're, they're getting bloody and it's, it's disgusting, it's gross, but nothing happens still. Let's pick up here. This is the text we're, we're reading today. 1 Kings 18, starting in verse 30. So Elijah, when not, after nothing's happening, right? Elijah, he called to the people 
to come over here, right? That's a lot of people. Remember, it's all of Israel. It's all the people. Gather, gather around, come over here. And they all crowded around him. Look at this with me. As he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, and it was one, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar and the name of the Lord. Someone say the altar. The altar is a place of death. The altar, it is a place that is set aside for intentional sacrifice. And we see that throughout the, the Old Testament, altars, they were places where God's people offered up sacrifices to him. Are you following with me? They offered up sacrifices to God. So worshipers, they would come and they would bring the best of their livestock and they would offer them up to God. They were daily sacrifices. They, they were, guys, they, it was an act of worship, but also it was a personal sacrifice, what they were doing. They were offering the best, someone say the best. The best, the best of their livestock to the Lord. It was, a, it was a sacrifice for them. The altar, it was a symbolic place of death. And it's because, it's because of the sin that separates us from God. See, and then there was no way to approach God's presence without a sacrifice, without offering a sacrifice to him. They couldn't, they couldn't approach God's presence. So this, you gotta understand, right here, this is an act of worship. This is an act of worship, sacrificing on the altar, coming to the altar. But you know what we just read in the text? We just read in the text that the altar of the Lord, it had been torn down. It had been torn down. This tells me that this altar, it was once used for sacrifices to the Lord. This tells me that there was a time when someone offered up a sacrifice to the Lord on this altar. Someone worshiped the Lord at this altar. Someone got right with God at this altar. Someone gave all they had at this altar, but the Bible says that the altar of the Lord had been torn down. What happened? What happened? Why, what happened? Maybe, maybe life got on the way. I don't know, maybe, maybe they got too busy. Maybe, maybe the other things just became, became more important than coming into the presence of God. Can I preach to you today? When you stop coming to the Lord's altar, you start sacrificing at another. Come on, can I? When you stop coming 
to the Lord's altar, you're gonna start sacrificing at another. Where are you sacrificing right now? Is it more important than the presence of God than coming to the Lord's altar? See, Elijah, Elijah was very aware that he needed to repair something that once stood strong. There was once an altar of the Lord at Mount Carmel in, in Israel. And Elijah, right now, he's looking to revive something that once was. Week after week, guys, we are humbled to witness people make a decision for Jesus. Wow, isn't it wonderful and powerful? It, it, these encounters, they're genuine and they grip our hearts. It does not get old, does it? It doesn't get old. But if we're not careful, it will, just, it will become just familiar. If we're not careful, it will become just familiar. That's a problem. That's a problem. Have you found yourself unmoved to the things of God? Have you found yourself indifferent to the things of God? Can I tell you, when we have full seats and empty altars, we need revival. When the majority of our, co our, our congregation becomes spectators and the minority are worshipers, we need revival. We need revival. See, when an unbeliever when an unbeliever recognized that they need an encounter with Jesus, that's the first stone on their altar. But when a believer, a Christ follower, recognizes that encounters with Jesus should never stop, that's when we experience revival. It can't stop, guys. It can't stop. Revival is dependent on the heart of the saints. It starts with you and it starts with me. If we want to be revived, if we want to see revival, we must rebuild the altar. Someone say rebuild the altar. Come on now, someone's got, God, God is calling someone out today. You once, someone was once on fire for the Lord, but you have let the fire die down. You've been neglecting the altar of the Lord. You've been sacrificing somewhere else. And if you don't, can I tell you, if you don't rebuild the altar, it's gonna start crumbling down. Rebuild the altar. Don't allow the temporary things in your life keep you distracted from the, from the, uh, the eternal things, the important things. Rebuild the altar. Verse 32 the second half of that verse, it says that Elijah, he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. 33, he, he piled wood on the altar and he cut the bull into pieces and he laid the pieces on the wood. Then Elijah said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. Hold on a second. 
He's pouring water on something that is supposed to catch fire. How many of you know that doesn't work? Right? You can't, you can't have a fire with wet wood, right? But he's saying, fill four large jars with water and pour it over of the offering and, uh, and over the wood. And verse 34, it says that after they did this, he said, do it again. Do it again. When they were finished, he said, do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water, it ran down the, around the altar, and it filled that trench that was dug around the altar. There's a soaking wet there's water. Can I tell you he, what he's doing right now? He's about, to show, he's about to show the people who God is. It's not about him in this. You gotta rebuild the altar, and then we learn here, you have to sacrifice at the altar. You have to sacrifice at the altar. Can I tell you this? The altar is a place of giving, not getting. The altar is a place of giving, not a place of getting. Are you giving God everything? Are you giving God everything or are you giving him the bare minimum? Are you, what are you giving to God? Are you only giving to God when you feel like it? Are you, are you only feeling given to God when, when you wake up energized in the morning? What, what, what? And you know, your, your mind might have gone straight to money and that's something we give to God. We are obedient in the tithe, that's 10%. We give our offerings to God. But what about, what about your worship? What are you giving God in your worship? What are you giving to God? The altar is a place of giving, not getting. But you know what? I love this. Because of God's mercy and his grace, even though the altar is a place of giving, to him and not getting, he comes down and he meets us there. He meets us there. Did you know you can have breakthrough at the altar? Breakthrough at the altar. God shows up, he meets us at the altar. But listen, don't just come to the altar when you need a breakthrough. Paul tells us in Romans 12:1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We're a living sacrifice to God. We're to offer him our very best, ourselves as a living sacrifice to the Lord. That means that we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to ourselves. You know what that means? That means that we go to the altar even when things are all good. That means you get on your face, you get on your knees before the Lord at the altar and you say, God, I need you. God, I depend on you. Oh Lord, would you search my heart? Take anything in me, that out of me that should not be there, Lord. I want to be pure and holy before you. I want to offer myself holy and pleasing to you. Oh God, I die 
to myself. I'm a living sacrifice to you. And you know what? I've always, I've always known what to do. I, I grew up knowing what to do. Going to the altar. I've, I've had so many breakthroughs in my life at the altar. But you know, it's true what a lady growing up said. Her name's Miss Nona. And she says, listen, you got to get it from your thinker to your knower. You got to get it in your heart. Got to get it in your heart. You got to sacrifice at the altar, at the altar. Now listen, don't get stuck. Don't get stuck here. At the 12, the, the 12 stones, don't get stuck on a stone altar. The altar is your place of sacrifice. It's your place of sacrifice. You gotta get yourself to the altar. Someone say amen. amen. Let's continue on, verse 36. It says that at the usual time for the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet he walked up to the altar and what? Prayed. He walked up to the altar and prayed. Oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all of this at your command. Oh Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. You gotta rebuild the altar, sacrifice at the altar, and you have got to pray at the altar. See, Elijah, he gathered everyone there. All of Israel, he gathered all of Israel. Come, look, come and watch this, come watch. You see, Elijah, he did not have to put on some show like the prophets of Baal did. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to start cutting himself to get God's attention. He didn't have to, he didn't have to wake God up or get him from the bathroom or, or, or earn his attention, right? Why? Why? Because Elijah knew God. He knew God. How did he know God? He lived in constant communion with him. When Elijah, check this, when Elijah... When he walked up to that rebuilt altar of the Lord and when he prayed, this wasn't the first time that he called on the name of the Lord. This wasn't the first time, right? Elijah, he was in constant communion with God. He lived a life of prayer. Can I tell you, Elijah, he prayed more than his blessing his breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He did. Some of us only do that. He did. He prayed more than that. Can I tell you, God, he prayed more than saying, oh, God. Oh, God, please help me pass this math test that I didn't study for. Been there, done that. <laughs> he prayed more than that. He had 
Elijah, he had a private altar of prayer. Listen, family, you need a private altar of prayer. A private altar of prayer. And I'm not saying that you need to go and you need to get a bunch of stones and build a stone altar. No, 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 no. My private altar of prayer, it is in my living room on my couch in the morning. That's my private altar of prayer. You need to have a private, a place where you can get before God, just you and him, where you can pray to him. Can I tell you, it can be on your treadmill. It can. Your private altar of prayer can be on your treadmill. Someone's like, eh, not on my list, right? <laughs> your private altar of prayer, it can be on your, on your tractor. It can be in your car. Your private altar, uh, altar of prayer, it can be while you're cooking. Your private altar of prayer can be while you're rocking your baby in that rocking chair. Wherever it is, get, get tuned into God. Turn off that noise and tune in to God. Listen, God, God showed up when Elijah prayed publicly because Elijah, he was faithful in praying privately. God showed up when Elijah prayed publicly because Elijah was faithful in praying privately. Recognize this, because of his private altar of prayer, he had a public altar of miracles. Oh Lord, may it be Lord. He knew that only, he only needed to ask God. He only needed to ask and God was gonna respond. Elijah, what did he do? He rebuilt the altar. He sacrificed at the altar, and he prayed at the, at the altar. And you know what the Bible says? Look at this, the next verse, 38, 38, look. Immediately, someone say immediately. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, the dust. It even licked up all of the water in the trench. Verse 39, when the people saw this happen, they fell face down on the ground and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Come on now. Can you see this? In an instant, look at how the people, they turned back to God right now. They turned back to God. Why? They saw something that only the one true God could do. Something that only he could do. And can I tell you, they saw God. That was God coming down from heaven in that, as, as fire on that altar. They saw the one true God. When you come to the altar, God will meet you there. He will meet you at your place of sacrifice. Are you understanding this? The Lord, he is God. The Lord is God. These people, they're experiencing the awe of God. The awe of God. 
When was the last time you were in awe of God? When was the last time you were in awe of God? When was the last time that you wept in the presence of God? When was the last time? Maybe you never have. When, when, when was the last time that you fell on your face, got on your knees, got, just got on your face before God and you cried out to him? When was the last time that you were hungry for the Lord? Thirsty for the things of God. Are you desperate for him? Have you lost your dependency on God? Or are you, are you quick to forget all that he has done? May the fire of God fall down from heaven and burn within you. May you be in awe of God in Jesus' name. Listen, it starts at the altar. It starts at the altar. I cannot get you out of your seat and bring you to the altar. Only you can do that. Only you can go and have your private altar of prayer. I cannot do that for you. You know what, thank God. Thank God that we no longer, we no longer have to bring the best of our livestock to pay for our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, he paid for our sins by dying on the cross. Jesus did that. Jesus, he was the ultimate sacrifice, the final sacrifice. His death on the cross did what all the sacrifices of Israel's history could never do. He gave us eternal access to God and it established a new intimacy with him. But listen, you have to receive him today. Thank you again for tuning in with us today. To hear more messages or to learn more about LFC, head over to limafirst.church.